You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Wow, what a great song. We have influence not just over your children, but other children, other people that look at you and you want to talk about somebody that's had influence over a lot of people, Brother Ken has had influence over a lot of boys in this room, a lot of boys that aren't in this room, grown adults now. And what a prayer, and I think uh, Brother Ken lived up to that. So what a man to sing that song. Well, welcome. I'm excited for you to be here. Not for me, but for church. It's Sunday morning, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, my prayer is that everything that's done here this morning is done to honor the Lord. That's our goal. That's what we're here for, is to honor Him and glorify Him. If you would take your Bibles and stand with me, take it to uh, go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to read one verse in Acts chapter 4. And then, okay, ready? You got the little ribbon in your Bible? Put it in Acts chapter 4. And then go to Romans chapter 1. Two things at one time. I know, I'll give you a little extra time. Acts 4 and then Romans chapter 1. I like to hear the Bible pages rustling. All right, Acts chapter 4, we're going to drop down and read verse number 12. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, go to Romans chapter 1, which you have already found. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the spirit uh, that's in this place today, the, the worship, the singing, the praising, the praying, the teaching that's going around even just now in these rooms beside us of our children being taught God's word. Lord, we thank you for a place like this where we can come and sing praises to you and glorify you and turn all our attention away from the world that we live in all week and turn it towards you. Lord, I pray that you'll take the next few minutes and touch our hearts, challenge us, encourage us, help us to be the Christians that you want us to be, that you saved us to be. Help us to see the people around us and the world around us that needs you. We love you, Lord, and thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you might be familiar with a couple of verses that we read, very familiar verses when it comes to salvation. Um, and the only other name that we, the only name we must be saved by is Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think as I was preparing for this message when Pastor asked me to preach, uh, this thought had come to my mind. And sometimes you wonder about preaching about salvation to a church that supposed to be full of people that are saved. And you think, well, maybe you get a little bored of hearing that, or it's, you've heard it so many times that maybe it gets a little old. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it's new and fresh and we understand the, what happened as salvation. Um, so today, as I was preparing for it, we're going to take a little bit of a different perspective of your salvation. I'm going to remind you today of your salvation. If you're saved, if the Lord has saved you by what he has done on the cross, I'm going to give you a different perspective, maybe one that you've not looked at before. Probably have. I'm not, definitely not the first one to preach something like this. But if you're not saved, if even saying the word saved, and you're like, from what? 
what are you talking about? No, um, hopefully we can fix that today. Hopefully you can see what the Lord has done for you and saved your soul from, for eternity, for, uh, for eternity in a home in heaven with him someday. So I'm going to start today with a story about me. Everyone loves personal stories. When I teach, my wife says, use personal illustrations. It makes you relatable. So I'm going to relate to you by, Brother Mike, you mind putting that picture up there? I'm going to relate to you. Yeah. Just take a minute. That's me. Okay. Don't judge me now. I've completely changed in your eyes. I know. I know my son is laughing harder than anyone else because that's basically him, right? <laughs> so yes, notice the, it's hard to tell because I think there's a balloon, but that, that's a flat top. That's a hairstyle, flat top. It hasn't been around for a while, but in the 90s it was cool, okay? Because I had one, so it had to have been cool. Uh, so that's me at, as you can see, happy 16th birthday. So that's me, it's 25 years ago when I turned 16. I know, I'm so old. Um, I don't know how this happened, I, but somehow I got old. Um, but there's me at 16. So I'm going to leave that up there while I tell this story. You know, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. It's a cool guy right there. So I'm going to tell you a story of loss. Something that was lost by this 16-year-old here that was heartbreaking to him. As I'm older, it's not as heartbreaking today, so don't think it's super, super serious. Um, but in 1995, 1996, actually from 1990 all the way to year 2000, um, I lived in Northwest Indiana, uh, about an hour outside of Chicago. Okay, Maryville, Indiana, about an hour outside of Chicago. And in the 90s, for sports, the Chicago Bulls were it. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, right, Dennis Rodman, Horace Grant, all these guys, the Chicago Bulls were the epitome of basketball in the 90s. And I lived an hour away from where they played. And I never went to a game. Not once. And that's sad. I know, that's sad. They were really expensive, one. But two, I had a chance. And this was my chance. In 1995-96, if you know history, you look back on that year, 95-96 basketball year, they won the championship. And up to that point, they ended up with the best record in NBA history ever. Okay, it was broken by the Golden State Warriors just a few years ago, but then the Warriors didn't win the championship, so what's the point? But the Bulls did. They went all the way, they won everything, and they had an amazing year. So this 16-year-old boy and this 41-year-old man loves pizza. You're like, what? The Pizza Hut company had a contest, and I think it was just that area of the country, had a contest this year that if you could guess the record the Bulls would end up by the end of the season, you would win, I forget exactly what you would win, but I'm pretty sure it was like tickets to a playoff game or something like that, something really cool, Bulls-wise, right? So they had been good for a while. This wasn't like the first year they were good. So it was, you know, you have high hopes for the, the Chicago Bulls. Um, so I remember specifically flat-topped-haired 15-year-old, so it was before my birthday, going to get pizza with my father. It was a rainy October night, right? It gets dark. So we're right on the timeline there in Northwest Indiana, and it gets dark at like 5 o'clock at night. It's really early. And I remember very vividly going to get pizza, driving there, picking it up, because my dad's not paying for delivery or giving a tip. It's cheaper. I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's what we did. So we drove to Pizza Hut, went in, got the pizza, and I'm sitting in the back seat, and I have like two or three boxes of hot Pizza Hut pizza sitting in my lap. And now this is the year... Okay, you ready? This is the year stuffed crust pizza came. 
96, 95, 96. So you better believe we had stuffed crust pizza, three of them sitting on my lap, steaming up the windows, the rain's outside, it's cold, dreary, dark, but pizza's coming, right? We're going home with pizza. And you know how they put those coupons with a sticker on top of the boxes all the time? Well, there was a sticker with a piece of paper on the box, and it wasn't coupons this time. It was a form, and it was a contest. And the contest was choose and decide what the Bulls records will be the Bulls record will be for this year, and if you get it or if you get close, exact, forget all the details, you win those tickets, you win a prize. And I'm like, this is amazing. The Bulls are fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I fill out my name, fill out my address, and it says, what will their wins and losses be? And no one will believe me. I don't, my brother remembers, okay? He's five, four years younger than me. I asked him about it this week. He remembers this story. I wrote down 72 and 10. Best record that had ever been happened. I mean, that's, that, that's never been done before. But in my 15-year-old mind, I'm like, they're the best. It's Michael Jordan. They are amazing. They're going to go 72 and 10. We go home. We eat the pizza. You know, this is right before the basketball season starts. So the Bulls, <laughs> they go. I, and So I have this paper as a 15-year-old with a sheet of paper. No bigger than this. Okay? Think about that for a second. Keep that in your mind. We go home. You know, the, the, the NBA season goes on. They started the season, the Bulls started the season 41-3. and three. The best start for an NBA game or team ever. 41-3, and three. it's insane. They didn't lose at home for like the first 30-some games. And then, go throughout the year, and then as I realize, as we get closer to the, the end of the season, I'm like, they got a chance to do this. And so it came to my mind months later, hey, Mom, where's that piece of paper that I filled out for the Bulls. You turned that in, right? And she's like, I'm sorry? What are you talking about? I'm thought, 15-year-old, responsible, of course, young man. What do you mean, what, do you, what am I talking about? Surely I gave you that piece of paper as a 15-year-old responsible young man to you to mail in, didn't I? And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I asked my father, and he's like, ask your mother. So since I already covered that base, I realized I had no idea where that piece of paper went to. I can tell you, it never got sent in. It never got mailed. And this is before the season was over. So I excitedly and despairingly watched as they won game after game after game, a loss here, a win here, and the final game of the year that they win, and they go 72-10. and 10. And I guessed it 100% correctly months earlier, for not. And I lost my opportunity at whatever prize was given. I think it was playoff tickets. I can't see how they would do that, but I'm, that's what I'm going to fill in the blanks with. I lost my opportunity to go see Michael Jordan play in the playoff games and eventually win the championship game. What a loss. Please get that picture off. What a loss that 16-year-old suffered. Seriously, you can take the picture down. Oh, really? Why is it still up there? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, so the 16-year-old lost something devastating, heartbreaking to me at 16 years old, a chance to go to an NBA playoff game, no less the Bulls NBA playoff game, with the best record. I guessed it. Who would, I mean, seriously, who does that? Who guesses exactly what they should have been and what they got? And I did that, and I lost that opportunity, something I lost in my life that I now look back and it's funny, it's like, yeah, that's kind of a bummer, but really in the grand scheme of things, who cares, right? But 
I lost something. So let's talk about some other things that we lose. So we talked about the verses we read at the beginning were verses of salvation. When you think about salvation, you think of all the things you gain, all the things that you get when you get saved, a home in heaven, right? Salvation, it gives you, it takes away all your sins, all the things we gain. I want to take a different perspective and look at some of the things you lost. So if you're saved today, you know you have a home in heaven. You know Jesus has forgiven your sins because of what he has done. You're on your way to heaven when you die. There are some things you lost when you made that choice. There are some things you lost when you chose to accept his payment for your sins. And let's go through a few of those things. Now, if you're not saved, you don't know what I'm talking about, or you have not chosen to accept that gift that Christ has given us, you still have these things. You have not lost any of these things. They still are fully yours. And until you choose what Jesus has done for you, you will keep them for all eternity. So the very first thing, and there are so many. I have a list. I had a list. Pieces of paper. I'm still losing them. Um, I have a list that had dozens of things that as I thought about the things that I lost when I got saved, dozens of things that I could have written down. I have four here. So that sounds, you know, 10 minutes each, 40 minutes plus the club. We'll be out of here a little afternoon for sure. Okay, here, I'm just making sure you're all awake. Hello, it's okay. Um, but I have four things here of things that we lost at salvation. Or if you're not saved, you still fully own. Number one is a death sentence. Go to Romans. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans. Hopefully you're still close. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. We're going to read the first part of this verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. So when I got saved, when the Lord saved me, took away my sins, I lost a death sentence. I had a death sentence before that moment. Without salvation, my life, my soul is sentenced to death. I was on death row. Spiritually, I was on death row, and I didn't know it. But my soul was on a course for eternal death. And not just death of this body. We all will die, right? Every, someday if the Lord doesn't come back, every single one of us will be laying in the ground in this earth somewhere. Exciting, I know. Very encouraging. But it's truth. That's what happens. And that's, that could be bad. It could be looked at and viewed as bad. But what's worse is your soul, your spirit. Without what Christ has done for you, there's a payment that must be made for the sin that is on you. And that's death spiritually for all eternity. So without salvation, you have a death sentence on your life. Your days are numbered. All our days are numbered. You don't know what's going to happen. You could be ripe old age and die in your sleep. It could happen today. We don't know. We have, none of us have any idea when that moment will come. But if the Lord tarries, it will come. So our days are numbered. And without Jesus, without his payment for what he did for your sins... Your, set, your days that are numbered end in a death sentence in hell for eternity. That's what the Bible says. Very clear. The wages of sin is death. Everyone will die someday. There's no, there's no way out of it. You can't cheat it. It doesn't matter what we do. We are human and we will die. And there's a payment for that sin in our life and that's death and hell forever. It's a death sentence that is on, on you. We're marked. Until salvation, you are marked. So if you have been saved, you lost that. That death, that death sentence has been removed from you. That mark has been taken off. You are no longer sentenced to die a death in hell. What's another thing you lost? When you got saved, or if you aren't saved, the thing you own still, 
When you got saved, you lost a curse. Being unsaved, not having the Holy Spirit living within you, not accepting the payment Jesus made for your life, you have a curse on your, your life. You're marked for death. This is bad. These are bad things that we lose. But if you aren't saved, you still, ha- you still have these things. You have a death sentence, and you're marked. You have a curse. There's a curse on your life. Without redemption, we are cursed. Sin is part of this world. We are born into sin. We have a sin nature, and our life spiritually is cursed from the moment we're born. It's just part of the way the world is because of the sin that Adam and Eve committed back in the Garden of Eden. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin brings a curse on our body, and that's why we die. It also brings a curse on our soul and our spirit, and we need redemption for that curse. And that curse has been lifted. When you get saved, that curse gets removed. You are redeemed. Your sins are paid for, and your forgiveness of your sins is given freely because of what Jesus did for you. But until that happens, you're cursed. You lived a, you, without Jesus, you live a life that is cursed, headed for death. There's no way out of it. There's no way around it. It doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter if you accept it. It doesn't matter if you want to think about it or push it out of your mind. It is fact. You can't escape it. You can't run from it. That is what the Bible says. Third thing we lost when you got saved is you lost your separation from God. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. To the right, just a little bit from Romans. Not too far. Ephesians chapter 2. Without salvation, you are separated from our Creator, from a holy God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 12. The Bible says that at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That sin that we talked about that brings the curse on your life, that sin that brings that death sentence to your soul, separates you from God. That sin keeps you from Him. God is holy. He cannot put up with sin. He cannot stand sin. He cannot cannot accept sin because He is holy and perfect. And with that sin and that curse on our life, we cannot come anywhere near him. We're not worthy. We aren't accepted because we have that curse and that death sentence on our life. As the verse says, we are strangers having no hope. Without Christ, all you have hope in is this this earth and the world and the life that you have. When that life is over, there's nothing else for you that is good. And if we live for just this life without Christ in it, everything that's good that you can experience is here on this earth and then it's over. And I don't know if you've looked around much. There is happiness on this earth, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on on this earth. And the Bible tells us it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. It's not going to get better. We'll have good days. Things will be good. We're blessed. We live in America. I mean, that's blessed more than a lot of people are. We're free. We live in South Dakota. Even better. And you go to Eastside Baptist Church, I mean, boom, we cherry on top, right? Things are good. But if all we live for is what's here on this earth, that separates us from God. Without him, that's, that's all it is. It ends. There's nothing after that. That sin that is in our life, that curse, that death sentence, 
keeps us separated from the one who created us, keeps us separated from the one that loves us, keeps us separated from the one that sacrificed his life so that we don't have to be separated from him. But without salvation, you own that. You own that separation that is part of who you are. And you can't, there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. Next, another thing you lose when you got saved. We lost our earthly citizenship. This is exciting. Let's stay in Ephesians chapter 2. Drop down to verse number 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So before salvation, you are an earthly citizen. We just talked about being separated from God. That's for eternity without having citizenship only here on this earth. That's as far as it goes. So without salvation, without what Christ has done for your soul, without accepting that payment, you, this is it. Like I said, earth is all. You are a citizen of earth. This ball of rock and dust and liquid hot magma that flies through space and circles a giant ball of fire, this is it. When you die, you turn into what the earth is made of. You disintegrate, your body becomes nothing, and you're just dust. Because that's what we are. We're made from dust, we return to dust when we die. And without Christ, without salvation, that's the end for you. Whether people live on past you or that's the end of everything, that's it. You're done. Your body is done. You are a citizen of earth and this is where you belong and this is where you'll stay. You're a foreigner. You lose all of that when you get saved. When you get saved. With salvation, you no longer belong here on earth. Now you have citizenship elsewhere. You have citizenship in heaven. This place where you live is temporary which means your bank account's temporary, which means your mortgage payments are temporary, which means the house you live in is temporary too, which means your job is only temporary, which means the sickness and the, the struggles you'll deal with are only temporary, which means all the bills you don't know how to pay, those are only temporary, which means your future, what you're trying to plan out and put everything into, is only temporary. It's just a place we're staying for a little while. But then we're going to go home, where we belong. Where we, where we were citizens. It, this, it says specifically, fellow citizens with the saints. The ones that are already in heaven. We are fellow citizens with them. We belong there. We don't belong here. Now we'll, we'll talk, we'll come back and talk to this here a little bit at the end. But you have a heavenly family. And part of that family is God the Father. He is our Father. Once you're saved, you lose your earthly citizenship and you now gain heavenly citizenship and your Father is God. I don't think we understand how big of a deal that is. We're like, yeah, okay, cool. God the Father, great. He's our, do, you get, do you understand? You become, you're not part of the family. Without salvation, you're outside the circle. You don't belong. You're destined for death sentence, cursed, separated from God for all eternity in hell because you have sin on your life and that's where it belongs. But once you accept the payment Christ made for you on that cross and died for your sins and paid that penalty that only he could pay, well now God, who said, get away from me because you have sin, now says, you're my child. You're my child. Not just you're a kid from the street I brought in, you're in my family. That brings privileges, that brings closeness. That brings belonging. Everyone wants to belong. 
That's why we love it when we come to church and we fellowship, because we belong to this family of Christ. We belong to this church. We want to belong. We want to be a part. We want to feel a part of something, belong to someone. And we don't just belong to, this is great. I love every one of you here. You're awesome. Most of you, you're great. <laughs> Heath, you're good. Uh, but, you know, we have a great time. We love each other. But can think, just think, you belong to God. You're his child. It's amazing. It's, 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 words can't express what that means. And I think as human beings, we lose sight so often of what that actually happened when you got saved. The things that transpired the moment you placed your faith in him and him alone. The things that did your life change completely. Physically, you may look the same. You may even feel the same. But we humans put a lot on our feelings and how we look. We don't understand spiritually the things that took place. Part of God's family destined, destined to live a life in heaven. That's your destiny now. That's your future. That's your ending place. It's a place where time never ends. You live forever. Everything is good. There's no sin. There's no curse. There's no death sentence. There's no separation from God. Everything is as the way God wanted it to be when he created everything. And we get to be part of that. Those are the things we lost. Those are a small portion of the things at salvation you lost. Now, if you're not saved, you still own all those things. You're on, you're on death row. You have a death sentence. Not because God hates you. Not because anybody hates you. Not because you're a bad person or a good person. That's just that's, that's the way it is. We have sin in our life and it has to be paid for. And if we try to pay it on our own, that payment is death. Bible says it. We have a curse on our life. You can live a good life. You can have a happy life. You can live and be a good person without Christ and still have a curse on your life and go to hell. Without Christ, you're separated from him. You own that. That is your life. You have no relationship with him. You can pray and God can hear your prayer, but you have no relationship with him because you're an outsider. You're a foreigner, an alien, the Bible says. And you're a citizen of earth. And that's all it'll ever be. But what do we gain? Of course, we gain something with that. So with that death sentence, when you accept Christ's payment, you gain eternal life. Amen. The second part of verse 23 of Romans chapter 6 says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is a payment for sin, and that payment is death. But when you accept Christ's payment, when he paid it for you, it's like he came in with his credit card and just paid for your whole order. Just pushed you away, swiped his card, and says, you're good now. You don't have to pay it. You can say, no, no, no. Unplug that card reader. Take my money. Don't take his. You could do that, and eventually you'll die and go to hell. Or you have to accept his gift. If you consciously, with your mouth and with your heart, believe that he did that and accept that, now your payment is made. Your death payment is paid for. You no longer have to swipe your credit card for sin. The Lord did it for you, paid it for you, and now you have eternal life. So do you want a death sentence or do you want eternal life? And it's not just eternal life, that's eternal life in heaven with God forever. I mean, our brains can't comprehend eternity, right? I say 100 years, think about it, 2121. If the Lord doesn't come back in 2121, the earth is still spinning. Most of us in here are probably dead, sorry. 100 years from now, it'll be 141. I ain't making that long, Give it, come on. Even some of you teenagers, 115, 112, maybe, you might make it, we'll see. 
But most of us in 100 years are dead. And that's how our brain, that's like, I can't think that far ahead. I can't think 100 years and comprehend that I won't be here. I'll either be in, in heaven with my heavenly home, or if you're not saved, you have somewhere else that you'll be. But eternal life is what you gain and get away from that death sentence. You're no longer sentenced to die. You are pardoned from death row because Jesus paid your penalty for you. That is what you gain, eternal life. Secondly, you gain redemption. Go to Romans chapter 3. I'm keeping you awake because you have to turn your Bibles. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse number 24. Romans chapter 3, verses, verse 24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ redeemed you, which means he removed that curse, that sin placed on your life. We were sin cursed. We, our lives were cursed. And when Jesus died on that cross, he paid for your sin and justified you in God's eyes. He removed that sin from your life and removed that curse that was placed on you. Does that mean you'll never sin again? Of course not. We live on this earth. We still have our old nature and we will sin. But the penalty for your sin that takes you to hell has been removed. Jesus has paid that for you. The curse that sin put on you has been lifted. He justified us. He redeemed us. He purchased us from the slavery that we were in to sin. That curse that put us in bondage to sin, to death, Jesus removed and lifted with his redemption. He redeemed us. I don't think, again, we don't think about it enough. Christians, you were redeemed. You were purchased. You were, you were saved from eternal damnation by something somebody else did for you. And forever you are redeemed from hell. You're redeemed from, from having to live a life of sin. You're redeemed of being a slave to the sin that's in this world. And I don't think we understand and think often enough about what that did to us. I know we don't because we get mad at people driving down the road next to us. We get upset when somebody doesn't think the way we think. And we hate people in this world. We get angry at people that think differently. We look at Pride Month and we get mad. And we should be mad at the sin and mad at what the devil is doing to our world. But those people need Jesus. The people that are marching in the, in the pride uh, parades, that are, that are, they're lost. They are, they're confused. Someone has hurt them. Someone has lied to them. The devil in the world has lied to them and told them a lie to be accepted by the world. And they have bought that lie. And they think that Jesus hates them because he doesn't agree with their lifestyle. He thinks that we hate them because we don't agree with their lifestyle. And if we're not careful, we will. If you're not careful, you will hate those people because you don't agree with their lifestyle. Not realizing that the sin that they do, God sees the sin that you do exactly the same. He sees the sin of your disobedience to your parents the same as that. He sees the sin as disobedience to your heavenly father, parents, as the same sin as the people that are marching down that road. They are not different to God. And we got to be careful and understand what God has done for us. If it were not for Christ, who's to say where we would be? Who's to say what decisions we would make in our sin, in our sinful life? We are to love those people. We are to want God to redeem them. God can change their life. God can change their heart. But we sometimes push them aside because they don't line up. And we forget what God did for us, how he redeemed me. We gain redemption. 
Next, and I like this one too. You can, it's antithesis, right? We said he pushed, we're away from him, we're separated from him. So when we get saved, we're brought nigh. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I should have told you to put your ribbon there. Ephesians chapter 2. With salvation, you are made nigh to Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, go down to verse number 13. But now in Christ Jesus, who, who ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's broken down that separation, took it away by his blood, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the thing keeping us apart, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. A lot of verses, I know, a lot to, to understand there, but the, per, the point here is that Christ's blood, his shedding of his blood, his sacrifice, his payment for our sin, broke that barrier of separation. Right? We talked about without being saved, you're, you're separated from him. You cannot come to him. He is holy. He cannot abide sin. But when that blood was shed and you accept that payment for your sin, he breaks down that wall. It's like he's the Kool-Aid man, not to be, but he's the Kool-Aid man. He just comes busting through that wall. That wall is gone. You with me still? Okay, just making sure. He busts that wall down. You, ha- you are no longer separated from Christ. You were afar off. But because of his sacrifice, and when you accept it, you are now made nigh. We don't talk that way much and say the word nigh. I like to sit nigh my wife. You know, we don't say, we don't talk that way. It sounds weird. But when you think about it, Christ, has, his purchase, his blood, the thing he did for us, broke that separation down and brought you right, right up next to God. You now have direct access Amen. to God the Father, to the creator of all, to the Holy One and Only God, you have personal access to Him through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to somebody else. You don't have to, you don't have to go to a pastor to go to God. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to your parents. You don't, all you have to do is go directly to the Lord. And that is a, that is, what a privilege. What, a, what an amazing thing that Jesus did, that God did for us at salvation that we don't think about near enough. You can go directly to him. He paid the price and reconciled us to, to the Father, to his Father. Jesus sacrificed and paid that price so we can be reconciled to God the Father. Now the same Spirit that is God, the Holy Spirit, resides in me and gives me direct access to God. The same Holy Spirit that is God lives in you at salvation, and because of that you have direct access to God the Father. Do you understand the miracle that that is? This supernatural spiritual world, well, spiritual welfare area that God does, the Holy Spirit does for you, it's, it's, it's a privilege. It's amazing. We don't, we don't take advantage of it. We don't use it. We don't understand that. But on salvation, we are made nigh. And then lastly, uh, we are no longer earthly citizens. We are heavenly citizens. Uh, verse number 19 we read already, now there, in Ephesians chapter 2, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. Heaven is your true home. 
That's where you belong. That's where you will reside forever. You're only here on earth for a little while. You're only here on earth for a little while. So, looking back at these things, the things that we lost at salvation, or if you're not saved, the things you still have, the things that you gained at salvation, or if you're not saved, the things you don't have yet, and you cannot do anything for them, does this change you? This is, this is the part, we, we hear this, we're like, yep, I believe it, that's great, that's great, okay, let's go eat lunch. Does it change you? Does, does remembering these things, does being reminded of these things, does understanding these things, and again, I gave you four out of dozens, literally, of things that you lost and gained at salvation. Does that change you? How does it change you? Without Christ, you stand to lose everything you have. If you're not saved, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, if you've not had a time in your life where you accepted his payment and placed your faith for eternity in him and him alone, if you've never had that time in your life, without Christ, you stand to lose everything in this life. Everything you've worked hard for, every relationship that you've built and worked on with the people you love, without Christ, that's all gone. There's no party in hell, I can tell you that for sure. There's no, I'm going to be in hell with my friends, we're going to have a good time. That does not exist. In hell, you are alone, completely forever. And this is not to scare you, this is not to make you fearful, it's just to tell you a reality that we all have to face. Hell is not a fun place. Hell is not a party with my friends and we all want to go there because my friends will be there too. No, when you go to hell... People that go to hell, they're separated not only from God for all eternity, they're separated from every other person. It is pain, it is darkness, it is gnashing of teeth, it is the worst thing you can think of times a million, all by yourself, forever. There's no one to reach out to. There's no mom, there's no God, there's nothing. That's what hell is. So without Christ, that's, that's your future. That's what you stand to gain. You stand to lose everything here on earth and gain that. There is no salvation, like the verse we read at the beginning, there is no salvation by any other name than Christ Jesus. He is the only one that can pay the penalty for you. Nothing you can do can satisfy that debt. Nothing. Only Christ can satisfy that debt, and you have to place your faith in him. You, all you have to do, it sounds too easy, but all you have to do is understand who he is, what you need, and what he did for you, and accept that gift. Again, just like if... He came to pay your bill at, I don't know, the restaurant you're going to go eat at. He paid your bill. You just have to accept that he did that, believe that he did that, and he takes you to heaven. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise. But without that, you have no redemption. He's the only way to redemption. If you've never trusted that, if you've never put your faith in Christ, please, 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 don't leave this place without doing so. I'm imploring you, if, that, if you're in your heart and in your mind, the Holy Spirit is saying you've not done that. Do not leave this place without putting your faith in him. So you can come down here after service. You can find me after service. You can find Brother Samuel, Brother Nate. A lot of men here you could find, a lot of women here you can find, and we can show you not our ideas, but what God says about it and how you can trust and put your faith in him and have a home in heaven, be heavenly citizenship, just like I am, just like a lot of us are. You don't have to live without him. And he doesn't want you to. He's begging you to come and accept him. He came so that everyone would be saved. 
Secondly, if you already have accepted Christ, if you're sitting here and you're saved and everything I've said, you're like, yep, yep, I, I agree, I agree, I agree. Hopefully you're excited about the things that I talked about. It excited me as I was studying it out. But if you've accepted Christ, look at the things that you lost in your life. Look at those things. Understand those things that you lost. Things you'll never have to experience because of Christ. You'll never have to experience hell. Never. You'll never have to set a pinky toe into hell because of what Christ has done for you. You'll never have to. Think of all the things you've lost. You lost the curse. You've lost separation. You'll never, once you get saved, there'll never be a moment in all of history where you're separated from the Lord. Ever. Ever. Every day. Every minute. Sleeping. Awake. After you're dead, you're with God all the time. Every single moment. So when you think of those things that you lost when you got saved and the things that you gained, how are you living your life day to day on this temporary place called earth? It's your temporary housing. How do you live your life? How do you conduct yourself? What are your goals? What are the things that you can't wait to do? What are the things you can't wait to get to? Well, teenagers, when I get to be this old, I can't wait till I'm this old, then I can do this. It's everything I look forward to. Parents, what are the things, though? I can't wait till I have enough money so I can do this. I can't wait till we have this new thing, and then my life will just be so much easier. I can't wait till my kids are this old so I can do this. What are the things that you just cannot, you're just like, everything in your life is like going in that direction. That's what you're living for. Where's God in that? Where's Christ in that? Have you considered what he wants for you? Again, think all the things you lost, you'll never have to experience because of what he did for you. And think of all the things you've gained because of what he did for you. The place you'll go, the, your destination, your destiny for all eternity, the life you can live, the sin debt that no longer is your obligation. How do you live your life based on that? Do you live for everything that's offered here on earth? Is that the end goal? Just like those that aren't saved, that have no hope, they live to... They work to live so they can live to work, to pay, to get the bigger house, to be comfortable, to have fun, to enjoy life. Nothing wrong with those things, but that's, that's it. That's the end goal for them. Sometimes we as Christians can live for that end goal too. We live for fun. We live for enjoyment. We live for comfort. We live for things. We live for stuff. And we lose sight of what's really important. We lose sight of what we lost and what we gained. Are you so focused on your earth here, on your life and your citizenship here on earth, that you lose focus on your heavenly citizenship. The things we do here on this earth that last in eternity, those are the things that matter. The kids that you raise to love God, to grow up and rear families that love God, that's, that's the eternal thing. The people outside these walls that aren't our, in our group and we tell them about Jesus, those are the eternal things. The things when God sets them down and lights it on fire, the things that burn up, those are the earthly things that don't matter. Those are your possessions. Those are your, your job. That's your title. Those are all the things that aren't necessary but don't. In eternity, they are pointless. It's the things that you do for God that matter. The people that you witness to. Do you realize everyone that you tell Jesus about and they have an opportunity to make a choice, the ones that choose to accept Christ will be in heaven because you did your job to tell them about it. That's our job. Those are the heavenly things that we do for our heavenly citizenship. Because of all you've lost and all you've gained, 
really, how do we give him anything less than, as Brother Nate said, all? How do we give, how can we sit there, stand there, live our life with everything that Christ has done for us and say, eh, nah, I think I'll live for me. We should be bending over backwards, running, sprinting to do everything we can for Christ. And we don't. I don't. None of us do. Because we're human, we're sinful, and we are very easily forget, we're forgetful. We get distracted easily. And the devil knows that. The devil knows how to distract us. He knows how to give it to us off course. But when we remember, and that's why it's so important to be in his word. That's why it's so important to not go Sunday to Sunday without opening the Bible. Because if you're not reading it and being reminded of what God has done for you on a daily, maybe even multiple times a day basis, you'll forget. And you'll live for your earthly citizenship. But when your nose is in his word and you want to know what he wants for you, you'll be reminded all the time of the home that he's preparing for you, of the sin that he's forgiven you of, of the life that you could have lived that you don't have to anymore, and of the fact that he wants to use you to further his kingdom. What a privilege, what an honor. And we miss it so, so often. We miss it so often. So as I conclude here today, I'll ask you two questions. If you don't know that your citizenship is in heaven someday, what's, what's keeping that from happening? What's keeping you from making that choice? What are you afraid that you will lose if you choose Jesus? I told you some things you will lose. They're not things you want to have. So what are you afraid of losing? Nothing you lose, nothing you could perceive as a loss, getting saved is worth going to hell for. Nothing. So whatever it is that's keeping you from making that choice, from putting your faith in him, it's not worth hanging on to. Let it go. Lose that thing. Because what you gain by accepting Jesus is far more valuable. And secondly, Christian, how are you living your life? Are you living your life as if you have no hope? Are you living your life as if everything on this earth matters? Or are you living your life with heaven and your actual home in mind? You can accomplish great things here on this earth. You can, you can be your CEO of a company making millions of dollars, talented, accomplished. There are many things on this earth that you could do that aren't bad. But what are you doing for Christ? What are you doing to invest in his kingdom and in your home in the future? If it's not much, you lost a lot, you stand to gain everything. And oh God, all. And there really is no way around it. So stand with me if you would, if you bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.